Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. There were moments in that relationship where we had, you know, some of the definitions of what success would be. We had that. And I stood and I thought, what's this, what's this all about? What's this all about? Because that's not what's bringing me happiness. And so I, I decided that I was going to be on the hot pursuit of what, I guess, what happiness was, what that, what life was all about. Again, right, an, another defining moment for me. And to deny that calling, to deny that strong desire to go discover that did mean for me to leave that relationship. And I didn't do it for a really long time. So I waited and waited and waited. And then I had an experience where I guess we could call it a near death experience. When I came back from that experience, I thought, this is it. This is the beginning of the end. I'm, I'm going for that. Whatever's calling me. And I don't know what that is. And off I went. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Doing creative work can be kind of lonely, and that's why we built the Unmistakable Listener Tribe. The tribe is a community for professionals to connect and support each other. Everything is designed to help you grow your business and share what's working and what isn't. And that's true whether you're a business owner or an artist. You'll get access to feedback, live conversations with guests, and so much more. By joining the tribe, you become part of a community of creators who all support each other, and it's completely free. Hopefully, I'll see you there. Visit unmistakablecreative.com slash tribe to join. Again, that's unmistakablecreative.com slash tribe. Christine, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. So I was introduced to you by way of our mutual friend, uh, Hillary Weiss. And anytime another guest refers somebody, it's almost always an instant yes. So it was kind of a no brainer <laughs> to have you here. Um, you have a book out called uh, Keep It Simple, Smarty Pants, all of which we will get into. But before we do that, uh, just based on and having what I've read in the book, uh, I want to start by asking you, what religious or spiritual beliefs were you raised with? And how did those end up impacting your life? Uh, well, I wasn't... <clears throat> really raised with much of a religious um, voice. We were Catholic, certainly, but I can't say that that influenced me all that much overall. 
and mm-hmm. I came more into spirituality, the idea of of spirituality more in my late teens, I suppose, the idea, the concept of that. And I integrated that perspective in amongst many other beliefs that really felt aligned and what resonated for me. I never really um, resonated with the idea that I was here to redeem myself or to prove my worthiness. And so I explored Buddhism and explored other avenues and read about other religions. And truly that the one that, that I live by more now is that we are all God, for lack of a better word, and that's not meant to be disrespectful of that word either, but we are all spirit, really, and that we are all born worthy and good and and empowered or powerful. And I really, I really like that perspective, that we don't have to put ourselves in any kind of corner of this is the, the better or the, the worse religion or the right or the wrong religion. It's just simply, if we all come from that basis, and I think that all religions do have at the core of them, if, if we're not messing them up, at the core of them, their first intentionality was, is, was, and maybe has not remained so, but that we are, we are spirit and we are good. What prompted your exploration of spirituality? Because 13 seems like a really early age to start thinking about things like this. Uh, I mean, I think if you'd asked me when I was 13, I was probably busy playing video games and wondering why girls weren't interested in me. <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, I think that I was questioning stuff when I was three, and I would not have labeled it as exploring my spirituality, certainly, but I was very aware of, and again, I don't think I would have said it this way then, but I was aware of these feelings, these these distinctions, these gaps between what what I was observing in the world and what I was feeling or what I was hearing people say and what was happening. And and so I think I I was perhaps born with a very strong intention to explore that and to know who I really am versus some diminished version of me as just a human being. Mm. Because it like that subject lights me up. I could go on and on. We could be talking for four hours about that that subject alone of who we really are. And it's not just human. Yeah. You mentioned that you started questioning things. And what I wonder is why more people don't. Because whether it's religion or whether it's self-help as religion, a lot of people take other people's advice as gospel rather than guidance. Mm-hmm. They don't question it in the context of their life. You and I were talking about this, I think, when we were supposed to have this conversation <laughs> on Monday. And I said, I, I feel like context is so overlooked. Uh, but why is it that that most people don't question what's happening in their life or in the world around them? I don't have the answer to that, certainly. I don't but, expect you to. <laughs> right. My my perspective, my my take on that is is there are probably a lot of reasons, but I think that we you know, we grow up in environments where we 
the people around us believe what they believe. And so often we just don't question it. We just adopt it and adapt to it. And that's not really answering your questions. Why don't people question? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I think that it's, again, there are realities that we live and then they are affirmed by our beliefs. And so why would you question some things? Mm-hmm. Why would you? I just have a very deep desire, strong desire that calls me to question, calls me to question, not in a, not in a, in a way to be criticizing or demeaning anyone else in their perspective. It's more about, well, what do I believe? What do I really believe? What do I think about that? Is that true for me? Does that resonate for me? Is there another way? Is there another thought? Is there another perspective? And so, I don't know. Some people question more and others just accept what is as what is. That's all. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate this whole idea of whether something is right for you. I think that, uh, as I told you, that was what really you know prompted me to want to talk to you was to kind of make this distinction. But before we get into that, um, what did your parents teach you about making your way in the world? <laughs> I'm sure they, I know for sure they taught me a lot. Um, can you ask a more specific question? Because that, yeah, I mean, did they, what, did, what type of advice did they give you about careers uh, you know, and, and making sure that, you know, your adult life was uh, how you wanted it to be? Did they encourage any particular career paths? No, no. And, and frankly, I don't remember very much. I know that my father was a great influence in terms of, I saw him, work hard and he bought a business and moved us from uh, one area in Canada to another area and sort of pick everything up and, and go to a different place. And he started anew there. And while he was working for Quebec Hydro, he always had jobs on the side and would, would do other things. And when we moved to Ontario, he bought a business with his brother. So I think I learned from him. What I remember about him was he was out selling milking parlor equipment and he was always looking for opportunities. He was in the farmer's uh, barn and he was looking around to see if he had any, anything to sell to him, to, to my father, to him, or if there were opportunities for my dad to be making some kind of a deal. So I, I learned opportunity is everywhere. I learned Certainly, I have the entrepreneurial spirit because I've always just wanted to do what I wanted to do. I remember my father saying about me that I was always determined. Now, I don't remember myself to be that way, really, necessarily as a young child. But I guess having heard that, I think, yeah, probably. Um, I don't recall that they were saying to me, you can be anything that you want to be uh, or, or, or any of that kind of thing. I don't know what their perspective was on, on that sort of thing. And my, you know, when you're in your childhood, you can think this sucks. And at about 17, I really started examining that and whatever perspective I had come to by that time, I worked through, and I think I had a phenomenal childhood and experience 
and learning opportunities and beautiful platform to bounce off of. And truly, my parents were nothing but supportive in the ways that they were. Everything really contributed to who I've become. So as far as specifics, I don't I don't have them otherwise. I I appreciate the fact that you, you know, alluded to the fact that when you look back as a child, you know, or in childhood, you think this sucks because I had so many of those experiences, particularly being raised by Indian parents. And I realized the things that I thought that sucked about being raised by my parents have right. been invaluable in adulthood. Yeah. I mean, I, I look back and did, was, were there things that happened that were out of my control and that I made the mean things and I interpreted to mean that I, it was all my fault or it was their fault or whatever it is. That's part of life. That's part of your own self-discovery. That's all part of your being able to make your own choices from where you stand. And I think from where, where I've been for a long time is I just, I love the people who raised me for being the people that they are and, and were. Because truly, I believe everyone is always doing the best that they can from where they are. And that's not at all implying that they didn't do well, that they did great. They did great. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah. So what has been the trajectory that has led you to doing this work? Because I know you're a coach, but you're also somebody who's coached people for a very long time, which is one of the reasons I thought it would make sense to talk to you. Because I feel like one of the, you know, you and I are talking about my skepticism about coaches. And I I think my big sort of aversion to it is often it's either people with lack of experience because the barrier to entry is so low. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that, you know, there's no evidence to validate what some of these people are saying are true, but we'll get to all of that. Uh, but what led you to where you're at? To become a coach? Yeah. To, like what's been the trajectory of your career that's taking you to where you're at to writing this book? Well, I think my my trajectory, my my choices have always been from that desire to know, from that desire to sort of debunk all of the bullshit that we tend to believe that is false. and and to live a life from premises that are solid and true for me. Again, I'm not saying they need to be true for everyone else, but to see through the bullshit and to to build from those foundations that are empowering versus continue to tell stories and build my life upon a, a, a leaning a leaning tower. If it's built on a cracking foundation on, on a false premise, you can't help but build false false. If from a false foundation, you can't help but but build a, a false not very sturdy building. And so, so that's a strong desire of mine. And and in fact, this morning I was thinking about some things that are happening in my daughter's life right now. And I thought really perhaps that at the core of what I do is, is, can I swear on this show? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So it's be unfuckwithable, right? It it really is about self-empowerment so that you become unfuckwithable. And, and really know who you are. And because you can get jerked around, you can get jerked around from those false premises and, and believe things that are untrue about you because other people think them or because you've been told by society or, or, or whatever it is. And so I think it is really that, that piece of empowerment to really stand and be who you are, no matter, no matter what. Yeah. I mean, so 
you know, like we get conditioned, I feel like, with social programming from the world around us, from parents, peers, media, society, all of with the, you know, what you refer to as false premises. How do you begin to unwind that? Because I have found, at least in my experience, that when I talk to people, particularly guests on the show, there's always some sort of a catalyst, some sort of a crisis or inciting incident. It's never everything is perfect. And now I'm going to no. go make it even better. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I had that that started a long time ago when probably I mean, if you look back through the events of your life and you see that was a that was a catalyst, that was a catalyst, that was a catalyst. It, certainly my my mom left our family when I was three. And I'm not saying that to say, poor me, it was an event that affected me. And one that I am thankful for, frankly, because it helped me find my own guidance. It it just did. And I think it only benefited me. Did I see it that way then? No. But that contributed to my desire to find my, my guidance, my, my guiding light. And, and there was a moment also I was married before the marriage that I'm in now. And the person I was married to was amazing on a looking in. It was, it was a fabulous relationship and and I I will stand by that it, it was. And yet I felt called, I felt called someplace else. I felt called. And I felt like I needed to go discover more. And there were moments in that relationship where we had, you know, the the social, some of the, some of the definitions of what success would be. We had that. And I stood and I thought, what's this, what's this all about? What's this all about? Because that's not what's bringing me happiness. And so I, I decided that I was going to be on the hot pursuit of what, I guess, what happiness was, what that what life was all about again, right? An, another defining moment for me, and to deny that calling, to deny that strong desire to go discover that, did mean for me to leave that relationship, and I didn't do it for a really long time because I didn't want to hurt the people around me. So I waited and waited and waited, and then I had an experience where I guess we could call it a near near death experience and I won't go into those details but when I came fr- back from that experience I thought this this is it this is the beginning of the end I'm I'm going for that whatever's calling me and I don't know what that is and off I went mm-hmm. off I went does that so, answer your question yeah it does and of course it raises more questions as you probably have gathered by now uh right your mother leaving, uh, what impact did that have on you and, and how has that influenced the way that you have raised your own children? Well, the impact that it had on me was I blamed myself. I felt very torn. I felt very guilty. I felt very torn. But that's not the impact that it has on me now. I, I worked through that and got to see the, the perfection, the beauty, the, the awesomeness of the courage that she had to do the thing that she needed to do regardless and certainly she she did enough suffering on her own you know that was not needed but she did the way that i parent now truly is with guidance 
But as much as possible, I want my child to discover what is right for her and what is not so right for her and to to believe in herself, to feel confident, to know that she has wisdom within herself and to let her make her mistakes, let her discover what what she decides to do with the life that she's creating and the results that she's getting. So I encourage, I guide, certainly from the sidelines, but I do my best not to sway her one way or the, or the other. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I do see parenting as, as, as a lifelong experiment. I mean, you could do all of the... <laughs> You could do all of the perfect, you know, perfect air quotes here, perfect things. And the the primary premise, right, the primary foundation I hold is that she, too, is the creator of her own reality. And she will create contrast. She will create events and people attract people in her life for her own expansion. And that that is none of my business. That is none of my business. Well, I, I think that that actually makes a perfect segue into getting into the book. And you open the book by saying there isn't a wrong or right way to approach your life, but there are principles that you can integrate that will assist you in living and loving your right life, which I yeah. absolutely loved that because um, I think the idea that you talk about it from the, the the lens of principles and looking at it through the lens of your right life was what really kind of want, made me want to talk to you because I, I feel like People listen to people like my guests all day long. They read books by you know people who have also been guests here, maybe not. And mm-hmm. often it's other people's maps that are sort of the the GPS system for their lives. Yeah. Um, and you know it, it's funny because I, I was just writing about this this morning, and then potentially you know your book prompted me to write about it. Is the idea of you know in school you have right answers, right, and you get rewarded uh, for right answers with good grades, and you know, you go into life thinking there are right answers. So you have this sort of false belief, or, you know, like we talked about, that you'll get rewarded with, you know, Ferrari's fuck you money and promotions. Um, <laughs> and yet, I, I think that when we finally start to sort of wake up from that idea, we realize there are no right answers, just ones that are right for you. And yet people, I think, become overly dependent on experts, coaches, authorities, gurus to tell them what the right way is. I, I I agree. I'm a coach and, and I never want to tell anyone what their right answer is. I will guide them, right? I will hear them. I will listen. I will give them some foundations from, and I'm clear with about those foundations. Here's how I view the world. And if you're, if you're on board with understanding and wanting to know that you're the creator of your reality, then let's play together. If not, I'm not, I'm not your coach. So I there I don't believe that there is one right way or one wrong way and I and I think a lot of arguments start think about the relationships that people have relationships I mean any kind of relationship and how much people just need to be or want to be right and they'll argue for that limitation to me needing to be right is a limitation it, it's just a limitation that it it doesn't need to be there and so are there do you have your perspectives yeah. Do you have your opinions? Yes. Do you have your own life experience to inform you? Yes. Are your beliefs always affirming, uh, always being affirmed by the life that you're living? Well, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
does that mean that the life you're living or your approach to life or your understanding wherever you are is wrong? No. Is it working for you? Great. If it's not, then change something mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and figure it out. And, and the way for me, the way that I encourage my, my clients to follow their path, right? Find their, their right answer is really by how it feels to them by how it feels to them and whether there's split energy along the way. And then that's how you start to unveil, reveal some of the foundations of the premises that they've been living their lives on. For instance, let's say somebody thinks that they're unworthy. I'm not good enough. I'm unworthy. And you would maybe be surprised at how many people think that who are successful. Mm -hmm. So they, they believe that they've come to that conclusion. Either somebody sent it to them or because they've been able to create something, they've been able to uh, experience great wealth, but shitty relationships. And so I'm unworthy is it often a conclusion. And so if we keep building a life based on that false premise, that's a false premise. Then it's going to keep playing out in your life. And that's not true. It's not true. And it's not helpful. It's going to get you more of what you want, or it's going to have you rendezvous with a relationship that is really not a match to who you really are, who is worthy, and how you how you carry yourself, how you speak about yourself, how you offer your opinions, how all of that stuff. So there is no guru, in my opinion, there's no right way to eat. There's no right way to sleep. There's no right way to meditate. There's no right way to make dinner. There's no right way to run your business. There's no right way to get get investors for your business. There's no right way. There might be some ways that have worked for others. But remember that whenever you're looking from the outside, from the outside at someone else's manifestations, it's the manifestations you're looking at and and perhaps through the lens of right or or wrong or failure or success. And that is a limited perspective of the of the picture. Mm-hmm. So to replicate steps that have worked for people, if that helps you believe you can do it, then go for it. So I love this Does idea of creating sense? your own reality. Yeah, definitely. It makes sense. So you talk about this idea of creating your own reality, which I think that, you know, anybody who, who listens to this show is probably familiar with that conceptually. But I think there's this sort of misconception that you know, you having the power to create your own reality means that you're also immune to life's inevitable obstacles and challenges, which I don't think is true. I love that you brought that up. I love that you brought that up because that is a, that is a, that is a false premise. You're here to live, live, live your life, live your life and decide and choose and prefer Right. And yes, what you focus on, right, what you think about, what you what you believe, what you expect. And here's a distinction I make often with clients is what you what you believe and what you want and what you expect can be different. And so creating your reality doesn't mean you live this perfect little rainbows and bunnies life that there are no there's no contrast. There's no. There, there's no variety. It's like it would be like going to to a restaurant and having only pizza. Uh, we only serve one kind of pizza. That's all you get here. It, it, that wouldn't be very fun for very long. And so life is that. Life is variety. Life is like going to a restaurant and having all kinds of choices and you get to choose. 
And that does not mean that you are wrong or a bad creator or unworthy or undeserving or any of those. We could go on again here about, about having a life that is, is not complete, air quotes here, or perfect because you are ever evolving and you are ever mm, uh, asking. You will never stop asking. And everyone that you, everyone that you know, I will guarantee it, stands in a place of being in a place wherever they are with whatever they want, they have and, and whoever they're with or whatever in a manifested place, right? Wanting something more or wanting something less, but that's a want. Mm-hmm. That's a want. Yeah. And so everyone has desires unfulfilled. So get used to it and, and embrace that. Be proud of it. Do you have everything you want? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. I'm, I've got lots on my list of things I want and I'm eager about it, not feeling a failure for it. And that's where I find, again, a lot of people feel like a failure for lack of a better word here, but they feel like they're a failure if they, they stand in a place of not having the relationship that they want or, or not having it at all, or being in a, in a, you know, maybe some place that there is less desired in the relationship. They think there's a problem or relative to business or their body or whatever it is that matters to anyone when they stand in a place that that they've decided is not a place that they really want to be and there's something that they're reaching for that isn't yet they they deem it as failure and it's just it's just that's just not true that's just not true if we could all understand that we're all standing in this place of always wanting more and why not be thrilled about it did you get that that job yet nope not yet looking forward to it did you fix that problem no 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 big deal mm-hmm. and 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 just truly be just see it for really what it is it's this discovery it's this discovery of you and you get to make of it whatever you want and you get to stand proudly wherever you are and say i'm standing on this platform and there's more coming Yay for me. Yay for me. Yeah. One of my old mentors used to say that, you know, when you become successful, your problems don't go away. They magnify when you get what you want. Your problems don't go away. And I, I was writing about this the other day on Facebook. And I said, you really think my parents' lives, you know, became problem-free when they had me? Now they have a son who never remembers to put the cap on the toothpaste, as my mother has told me a thousand times. Um and it, it's yeah. kind of interesting that we have this sort of other false premise that when I get this thing that I wanted so badly, whatever it is, the money, the fame, the relationship, that all my problems will be gone. And yet that's somehow over and over that turns out not to be true. Yeah, it's the I'll be happy when trap is what I call yeah. it. And truly, again, contrast, right? Variety, variety, asking for more, asking for improvement. Why is it that we see you, the sun, let's say, as not putting the cap on the toothpaste as a problem? And I'm not saying, <laughs> right? Feel free to give my mom a call. I don't think she'll agree with you. But you see what I'm saying? It's like, why are, why, why, why are we perceiving these things as problematic, whatever those things are? And, and I can hear people arguing for that, but it's simply, there's a different perspective. This is life. Embrace it. Embrace it all and see that this moment of when your mom saw that cap off of the toothpaste and it 
frustrated the hell out of her. She had a desire. A desire was birthed within her. And also that play between you and her, I love relationships for this primary reason, is that they, they, there's an opportunity for everyone involved, for the one who's standing in a place of saying, would you please put the damn cap on the toothpaste? To find a different perspective, and there's the opportunity for you to either think that you're bad or wrong or a pain in the ass mm-hmm. for not putting yeah. that cap on the toothpaste. And there's this beautiful interaction where we can all say, "You're welcome. You're welcome." And what I mean by that is, uh, "You're welcome. I'm happy to be a catalyst for your expansion." Because if you're holding me to a condition, holding me to a behavior that will make you happy, or a behavior that you think will make you happy because everything that everybody wants relative to people and their behavior or relative to, I want a new red car, whatever that is, is because they think they will feel, fill in the blank, the happy wind trap. When, when I have a son, when I have a baby, I'll be, I'll be happy. I'll be complete. Well, no, that son is going to stir up some, some dust and ruffle your feathers. Can you enjoy it? Can you embrace it? Can you love it for what it is, for the expansion that it's giving you? And if everyone or more if people could see it that way, then we'd have a way, 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 way better time than, than running around on the planet asking everybody to change or, or couch their words or say it in the exact right way so that you don't hurt each other's feelings. And I'm saying that sort of, you know, your feelings don't get hurt. You choose them to be. Mm-hmm. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah. So in the book, you break this up uh, into two different parts. And in part one, you talk about the three things that we need to know. You say we yeah. have a soul, that emotions are incredibly important, and reality doesn't happen to you. Mm -hmm. um, I think we've, we've kind of sort of, you know, in a roundabout way, talked about soul uh, without intending to. But let's talk about this idea of emotions, because I think that, you know, there are, in my mind, two tendencies when it comes to emotions, at least in my experience, you have a bad emotion, you try to suppress it, you have a good one, you try to, you know, to hang on to it as long as you can. And somehow neither one of those last, even though we think they will. <laughs> right. So what, what is your question? Well, I mean, you say we're taught to think that having a uh, bad feeling indicates that something person or circumstance is bad, and is the cause of you feeling bad, when in fact, uh, it's just dissonance or disconnection with your soul. We're also mm -hmm. taught that feeling good means something, person, or circumstance is good. And the cause of you feeling good is when it's just resonance and connection with your soul. And right. I guess the, the question for me then is how we prevent ourselves from getting trapped in emotions that don't serve us. But then, you know, on the, the flip side of that, maybe every emotion has uh, some service to us, you know, even our worst ones. Because who would well, we be without even our most difficult ones? Like saying. if you've seen in, the movie Inside right. Out, you're like, okay, who would we be without our sadness? that that's what i'm saying Emo, emotions are are information and and you started the call here and said something about a gps it's kind of like a gps it's a gps telling you that you you could make a u turn right now or it's the gps saying you're on 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 the right track and again i'm not saying that there's a right or wrong track what i'm saying is dissonance with your soul or resonance with your soul good feeling emotion is more the frequency of the perspective of your soul uh, a, a negative emotion, not meaning bad emotion, but bad feeling, right? Doesn't feel good, is more dissonance, different frequency than your soul. And so it lets you know it's information for you. And it's not ever about denying how you feel. It's about 
taking that feedback, a lot of people just ignore how they feel. That's not my message. Pay attention to how you feel, but then choose. Choose if you want to keep feeling that way. Understand that you have the power, the ability to change how you feel without needing that condition, without you needing to put the cap on the toothpaste. Before I feel better, before I don't, I don't have to bump into that and be frustrated every time. That doesn't mean I don't speak up and say, hey, would you, would you put the cap on the toothpaste? Again, this can be misinterpreted at times. What I'm saying is you have the ability to feel however you feel. And most people are not taking charge of that. And instead of signing the blame to the condition, the person, the circumstance, the whatever it is, you're not yeah. that powerless. Let's look at one a condition or circumstance in particular, um, which is grief. And that grief could come from mm. heartbreak. That grief could come from something as tragic as losing a parent. I mean, we can't sugarcoat something like losing a parent and, uh, you know, self-help our way out of that. It's painful. Like, I can't imagine the day that's going to happen to me. Like, I know it will. Like, it's going to happen in my life. And I think that what I wonder is when we get trapped in an emotion like grief, how do you prevent that from turning into rumination? Because I think that in so many cases in my life, it always has, particularly when it came to relationships. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. First is, is, you know, from your soul perspective, when you think about grief, when you think about losing, from the human perspective, you perceive loss and your soul is not perceiving loss. So number one, that's that's a perspective that creates dissonance, which then we label as grief. And so I'm not ever saying that, you know, your your parent will change shape and form and you should be happy about that, but you could, you know, on the far end of that, you could be. So first, it, it is a perspective. Second, it is an adjustment as a human being because we are here having the human experience and, and our souls are, are dancing and playing with us and we're either blended in, in, that, in that perspective or we're not. And so by using that, that, that information that I wrote in the book, certainly about those emotions, like, well, maybe there's a different perspective about that. But so, so and that's, that's how you, you help your grief. You're going to recognize that that your parent or your pet or your friend or, and so on. But it is the constant reaching for, is there a better feeling? And that does not make me wrong for where I am, but it is, it's, it's more like I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm feeling the loss. Then great. Then, then feel that loss and know that you can feel better. And for people who are deep down in it like that, that's what I say to them is like, just know that you can, when they're asking, of course, know that you will and can feel better because life has demonstrated to us that it there's nothing like death to let us know that life goes on really <laughs> we all know that that what we call death is going to happen to each one each and every one of us so for me there's kind of a stigma around that and we all prepave it we're all preparing for that or trying to avoid or prevent that from happening and it's like, if we would just change the perspective about it, we wouldn't be building it up to be this big, big old thing. Mm, wow. Well, and and so, that's not to say that, that <laughs> that's never to say that you're wrong for feeling sad because it's just a different understanding, which maybe, maybe just maybe can help you move through it more easily, yeah. can help you bounce back sooner. You see? Mm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, right. 
So let's talk about this idea of manifesting because I think that, you know, one of the things that really kind of has, has stunned me is I think that when a movie like The Secret comes out, uh, it kind of led a lot of people to sit around making vision boards, sitting on their asses and not doing anything. And I remember John Astroff, uh, who was a guest here on the podcast and even was in the movie The Secret, he said, yeah, there's one really important thing that was left out of that movie, the law of Goya, get off your ass. Um <laughs> And, you know, you actually, I really appreciated the way that you explained this. You said thoughts attract, they do not assert. You don't, for the most part, purposely manifest anything to hurt yourself or purposely attract things you don't want. Mostly that's done through oblivion or misunderstanding. If you've been thinking and feeling and thinking and feeling and thinking and feeling and didn't know that you attract the essence of your thought. Um, and so I think that, you know, there are two ways this goes, because I think people sit around thinking, hey, you know, I'll just think about having a million dollars and it'll fall from the sky, which anybody who's actually earned a million dollars knows that's not true. So how do we actually use this in a way that's practical as opposed to aspirational and new age bullshit? Right. So a couple of things I want to address that you didn't say, you know, the secret, the secret was, a, I think, a great introduction, a great platform for people to start understanding that they create their reality, uh, you know, law of attraction and things like that. I think uh, the other missing piece in the secret was the emotional part is your, your emotions are your GPS. Your emotions are the indicator. And that's a big piece in creating your reality and understanding law of attraction. If we're going to talk about that, which a lot of people misunderstand, frankly. And so now to, for the practical end of it, yeah, okay, all right, I'm just going to sit around on my couch and just hope for a million dollars. Well, technically, what you want is probable. Anything that you want. If you can, if you can think it, you can have it. But what is also missing in that equation is what do you believe about that? What do you think about consistently? Where are your thoughts today and this moment and yesterday consistently? What are you practicing, right? What are you practicing along the way? And you say, well, I, I'm just going to think about a million dollars. Okay, well, you, you, with that attitude, you probably don't believe it, right? And you didn't come to be a creator to sit on the couch. You just didn't. Because action is fun. Being involved in the process of the creation is what part of what we are here for. And to think it into being, yes, to, to feel it into being, yes, but also to take that inspired action. And what a lot of people do is, is contradict their desire with an opposing thought, contradict their desire with an opposing belief. And so they say, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, don't want to do anything. And like, well, what are you doing in, in between? What, what are you doing in those moments in between? So in a practical sense, it is about thinking about what you want. Yeah. But that can go too far also, because what I've heard people, what I've found is people misinterpret the idea of think about what you want, think about what you want, think about what you want, think about, <laughs> make a vision board, make a vision board, make a vision board, uh, write it out, spell it out, tell the universe, announce to the universe what you want. And, and frankly, that's blah, blah, bullshit. It just is. Make an affirmation about what you want. No, blah, blah, bullshit. Again, if you don't believe it, you're amplifying where you are and the, and Things that you are attracting then are going to match right where you are. If you if you are reaching for something that you're you're not a match to, uh, uh, that you don't believe, that you have contradiction to, what you want isn't going to come. And it's not about the vision board and and the affirmations and the goal setting and the all of that stuff. Truly, is for you to get up to speed with what you've already told the universe 
that you want. Because every time you you bump into something where you think, whether you know it or not, or whether you speak it out loud or not, you bump into moments throughout your day, every day where you say, I don't like that so much. I want this. Or you're standing in the sunshine and, and you're feeling it and you're loving it. And it's like, ah, oh. you are requesting vibrationally frequency, right? And making a billboard announcement always, all the time, many times throughout your day about what you do want. And that's what your soul, that's the frequency. That's the frequency that your soul matches, right? And, and only that frequency. So law of attraction responds to your soul and to you who's saying, oh, but I can't. Oh, look at this shit. This is bothering me. Let me point over there to more of that that I don't like or perceive as a problem. And da, 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 da. And so here you are, not un, not inspired, and then thinking that you need to speak louder to the universe or thinking that you better write it down. And so I'm going to try harder and I'm going to tell the universe again. The universe heard you the first time, dude. You don't have to say it again. <laughs> Wow. Well, you know, I think that there's one other uh, thing that really struck me, and this was this idea of a magnificent order in the universe. And you say there's a magnificent order in the way that things play out because equivalent mm. vibes harmonize mm. with each other always. There are no exceptions to this order. It applies to everyone and to all things. Even the things you see as going wrong are actually in perfect order because ah, it's not yes. random and it's not out of place. It may not be what you want, but it's inevitably irrevocably happening in response to your vibrational advertisement, there's always an essence that's a perfect match for that event, circumstance, or feeling. There's only perfect synchronicity with your vibration. And I think the, the reason that, that that, apparently you, <laughs> which is quite well written, um, I the reason that that struck me in particular is I come from a culture where uh, people want to force this order. Um, and particularly when it comes to uh, marriage, you know, I, I know this and it's, it, having been on a Netflix dating show for Indian people, um, I just see this. There's this sort of arbitrary timeline that we place on people like they have some sort of expiration date. I remember one of my <laughs> mother's friends calling me and, you know, right after this thing came out, trying to introduce me to some girl. And she said, you know, you have to get married on time. And I was like, on time for who? Like on time is a good metric for your DoorDash order, but probably not for the person you want to marry. <laughs> Um, or, like, or you're gonna frankly, be, you know, a lot and I was this close to saying you're going to be dead anyways when this happens. So why do you care <laughs> if I get married on time? Granted, I didn't say that. You know. um, but that I, that's why I wanted to ask about this. Because the universe doesn't respond to your words; it responds to your vibration. Yeah, I that that whole idea of order, right? It it's something that I've seen play out in my life in really beautiful ways as well. So you know, I was the probably the latest of all my friends who started blogs in two thousand nine to get a book deal, but I ended up getting a two book deal with you know Penguin Portfolio, which has every author that I admire. It was like, wow, this is so much better than it would have been if I had gotten this opportunity earlier. Yeah, yeah. But people resist that whole idea because I feel like we're always trying to force this magnificent order. Most people are trying to force it. Just think about, just think about the time consciousness, the 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 time scarcity, the money scarcity. The you know, I'm I'm 35 or I'm 45 or I'm 20 or I'm whatever. Think about what I need right now. And people people for the most part are trying to force things instead of instead of finding finding that emotional place within them they're trying to force the conditions to come into place they're trying to to defy the laws of the listen dude you you are not the one exception to the universe you're just not so everything is going to match your vibration it's it's like a big broadcast it's like look at me here's here's what i'm all about i'm about 
pushing away everything. But there's also this beautiful idea that when you think about this, this magnificent order that, that you're, what you want is, is always known. What you want is always known by, by the universe, by your soul, by however you want to think about that. So what, if what you want is known and you come from the premise that, okay, number one, what I want is known. Number two, what I want is, is a done deal. The universe isn't saying, no, not giving it to you. You can't have it. You're unworthy. You're undeserving. You haven't worked hard enough. You haven't earned it. You're not old enough or you're too old. There's none of that. Is If you understand, again, what you want is known. What you want is inevitable unless you stand in the way of it. Then why why would we be trying to rush it? Why not savor it? Do you, do you want to hurry through licking your ice cream cone or do you want to savor it? Do you want to rush through the details of your life or do you want to savor them and appreciate each piece coming into place and knowing that is being orchestrated, always being orchestrated on your behalf? And even if or when those things that look like they're going wrong or there's a delay in timing, it's always matching your vibe, always, always, but there's always benefits. So if you approach everything from this, where I stand, where I am, what I know, who I am, what I've come to know what I've come to understand and what I want and where I am relative to that is all in this beautiful, beautiful place of orchestration that I can just benefit from right now. So what is there that I can benefit from right here and now? And what's my hurry? Like, what is my hurry? I'm going to die soon. I've only got so much time. Like that again is a false premise because we are eternal. And that's a kind of a hard, not, so much hard, but kind of hard concept for people to understand. It's like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, this age or, or I need money or I want to make that promotion by that time. And it's like, well, okay, have your desires, but also learn to understand the message that you're sending. Are you contradicting your own desire? And for the most part, most people do in a lot of situations. Well, let's talk about this whole idea of practicing awareness, because you say practicing awareness Mm -hmm. allows you to reframe your perspective with feedback from your emotions, guiding you toward a more or less connection, which is valuable in creating and living the life you want, no longer moving forward under false premises about what your feelings mean. It's like the difference between building a house on quicksand and building one on a solid foundation. And I I think the the reason that that struck me is probably my favorite book that I've I've read this year, which is an old book, is the Anthony DeMello book, Awareness. And it was kind of one of those books I felt that was sort of unconventional advice for for life Mm -hmm. that most of us are kind of paradoxically unaware of. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so how do you, you, how do you begin to practice awareness in your life? Pay attention to how you feel. Pay attention to how you feel. Pay attention to what's going on in your life. If, if you've gone so far as to have a manifestation, right? Something that you've bumped into. And this is not at all to be guarded about your life. This is about embracing your life and being present. So if you bump into something that, that you, you want, you, you wouldn't really describe it like that if it was something that you wanted. If something comes into your life that you want or you bump into something that you don't want, it's like, all right, well, I've been thinking and feeling, thinking and feeling, thinking and feeling up until now. I guess I didn't pay attention. So the manifestation is there showing me what I've been thinking and feeling, and now I get to change a perspective. 
Or if I'm about to say something to you and I can feel my gut wrenching or I'm really angry at you and blaming you in this sense, right? I'm using you as my reason to feel anger really is what I want to say. And I'm going to dish it out at you. That's an indicator to me. That's an indicator to me that I'm feeling powerless in that moment. And I'm about to speak something that is not from a true premise, really not from the perspective of my soul. So I could take a step back and say, hold on, I'm just going to get collect myself and find a way to feel better first, calm myself down. And then I will. Right. So awareness is is always beneficial because it lets you know what you're in the process of creating. It lets you know, even after the fact, if you've been oblivious to how you've been thinking and feeling, because so many times we think a shitload of thoughts in a day. And most of them are what you thought yesterday or the, the same essence of what you thought yesterday. And so from there, then we keep creating the same outcomes. And so as you pay attention to how you feel and you care about how you feel, you can start asking yourself that question. Is this really what I want to believe about this right now? Is this really what I want to expect about this? Is this really what, am I going to use that as my reason to feel bad right now? It's a choice. It's okay if you do, right? But I like you, I want you to, to recognize that it's a choice. So you talk about action, I think, in a way that was very different than I've ever you know, read uh, in any other book that I've read. Awesome. And I thought that <laughs> it was really interesting because you make this distinction between sort of action in, in you know, different ways. Um, and you talk about the purpose of action and what is the purpose of action and how do people misunderstand it? Because you say the purpose of action isn't necessary to accomplish something. The purpose of action is to move in the direction of it as a means of your energy flow. The purpose of action is to celebrate an inspired thought. Action is to inspiration as a party is to planning. One is better with the other. Mm -hmm. And so where do people go wrong with this? Well, why did that resonate with you? You said you haven't heard it described in that way. So what about that? Well, I, I think it's, you know what it is? You said the purpose of action isn't necessary to accomplish something. And mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, the connection I made between it is I, I've been writing this article that I haven't published yet about why changing your behavior leads to better results than setting goals. Because in my experience, that is actually what has happened. Uh, you know, I had the goal to get a book deal with a publisher for five years. It never happened. Then I changed my behavior to writing a thousand words a day and I got a two book deal with a publisher. Um, so that, I think that that's why it made me kind of see, you're right. The purpose of action there wasn't to accomplish something, but I accomplished it because of the action. Well, I, I kind of want to say perhaps to that, uh, you accomplished it because you believed that, that following through on that action would perhaps get you closer to your desire. And in the process of taking, doing those actions, it's not, it's thought Thought actually accomplishes 99% of that, of any manifestation. It's the vibration comes first. The vibration comes first. And so action is, is intended to be that inspired movement forward, the allowing more energy to flow and receiving that inspiration to move toward. And it was all, it was already pretty much done before you decided to start writing those words on the page, but your action in this case helped you align with the belief. Okay. And also let's, you're looking at it from that perspective that this is, this equals that. And so in that process, did you not discover more about yourself? Did you not actually 
in the process of more writing, get to more of what you wanted to say, which was actually more of a complete picture to what you meant to be publishing, which then brought you to the place that you met, you met your desire, your, your, your fullest in this, in this context, your fullest desire that was even more pleasing to you or as pleasing to you that you wanted it to be, that you weren't quite yet ready for five years before. Mm -hmm. Wow. So So behavior is absolutely, absolutely part of the process, but, but you, you can't, you can't fake it to the universe. You've got, there's a switch somewhere that happens somewhere along the lines that you become a cooperative component to your desire. And that's why then your desire manifests. Because you've also seen people who change their behavior. And let's say working out is kind of an easy one to relate to. Uh, I, I feel, you know, overweight or not fit or whatever. From that place, that can be birth a desire, or another desire can also be birthed from, ooh, I'd like to complete a marathon or a triathlon, or I'd like to become a, you know, be in a show in a week. So, therefore, I will, right? I will go to the gym, I will run, I will. And that, that mechanism is helping you toward, move toward your desire and it's also helping you believe that you can do it on in one sense but if you still feel overweight or out of shape or you're lamenting really focusing on your inability to get where you are if you're looking at too much of the reality that hasn't changed yet then there's no amount of working out that you'll do that will get you to your goal i promise you mm. wow. none None, because you're contradicting it along the way enough. And I think I mentioned it in the book, you know, you're contradicting it enough, at least 51% of the time that will prevent you from getting to your goal. And then, and then you hear people saying that shit doesn't work. Either law of attraction doesn't work or working out doesn't work. Right. And that's also why you've got to find your own path. If you've decided that, let's say again, you want to lose weight, for instance, if you've decided that that's something you want to do and and you, you think you mean it, but what you really want, yes, 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 you want that. But what you also want is to be able to run around and, and feel flexible and agile and you want to feel good in your body and you want to be able to breathe well and you want to be able to sleep well and you want to be able to enjoy the movement of your body, right? In whatever way. And you've decided that working out is the only way to do it, but you hate working out. You're going to have to sort that out because you're, you've got split energy. You're pulling against yourself every single day that you go work out if you have that attitude. So either work out and like it or find something else to do to move your body. Find a way to feel good and feel good in your body. Imagine what that would feel like and start tuning into what that feels like. Find yourself walking down the road someplace and just feeling really good. And you, you go, oh my gosh, this I feel so good. More of this, more of this. So now you're becoming familiar with what the vibration, the frequency of your desire instead of the vibration or frequency of your sore knee. 
that keeps you stuck if you keep focusing on this as being a, a, a thing that stops you from having what you want. Does that? Yeah, no, that was that was so you know beautiful. You gave me uh, you gave me one paragraph to add to the the article that I'm writing now because of awesome. that. So that's fantastic. Um, You're welcome. I, I want to come full circle uh, to where we started, which was this whole idea of what's right versus what's right for you. And the thing that I, I want to finish with is you know we spend a lot of time. Any of us who are into personal development or self improvement, my, myself included. We read books. I'm in this unusual position of getting to talk to half the people whose books I read. And somehow in all of that, uh, Ryder Carroll actually says, he defines this as appropriating other people's goals, you know, because there are the accomplishments that we see. It's, you know, the outliers that we put on the covers of magazines that we write about in media, that we make movies about, that they're the ones that write books. They're the ones that appear on podcasts like Wine. And nobody's going to stop consuming this stuff and we don't want them to. There's value in it. But while taking in uh, knowledge and, and wisdom from other people, how do you filter that so that you can, you know, take what works for you from that as opposed to using whatever everybody else gives you as a template for your life? Yeah, that's always been a, a strong, a strong um, filter for me. How much, how much information do you take from other people and use it and believe it? Right. And how much do you set aside and say, not for me? And I, that is, that is an individual, that is an individual choice. And how I do it is how it feels to me. If I feel strong contradictions, like I don't even believe that, that, that shakes my mind up enough to say, well, wait a minute, am I just resistant to it? Like, have I got my own set of beliefs that just stand in the way of me hearing that? Or does it just not resonate? Does it just not align with the foundations that I've chosen to believe for myself? And it's always evolving that it's always, it's always, and, and I, I, always encourage people to say if if you feel that that's right for you you don't have to identify why it's not if you were to fully align with what you feel is right for you you could live your your life that way but oftentimes again it's that contradiction that that split energy that that we as human in, humans introduce it's like well i want to go this way but why is everyone else going that way and now we question ourselves and now we're introducing that, that resistance. We're introducing, in, introducing that split energy and we start to question ourselves instead of following our own wisdom. And that's really what my coaching is all about is like finding, finding that peace and understanding what your own wisdom is telling you and following that. Mm. Wow. Um, well, this has been really, really beautiful and eye-opening and thought-provoking um, and insightful. So I have one final question for you, which is how we finish all of our interviews. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? What do I think it is that makes someone be un unmistakable? Yeah. Being who they are fully, fully, like unapologetically, fully being who they are. That makes you unmistakable aligned with who you really are unmistakable unmistakable 
Amazing. Um, well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share your story and wisdom and insights with our listeners. Where can people find out more about you, uh, your work, your book, and everything that you're up to? Well, I'm very consistent. So everywhere you look for me, it's Christine Meyer Coaching. It's either .com or Christine Meyer Coaching on Instagram, Facebook. And my book you can find on Amazon and you can also find a um, free download through my website partially of the book and yeah feel free to reach out to me i love hearing from people i i i, I love hearing from people mm. and for everybody listening we will wrap the show with that thank you for listening to this episode of the unmistakable creative podcast while you were listening were there any moments you found fascinating inspiring instructive maybe even heartwarming can you think of anyone a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment if so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide, it's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator, that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.